Previously on the Damage Guild podcast. This is for the Lady Restuvius. It is not to be opened by anyone except for her. Thanks, Drac. I'm going to get a mule that I don't plan to name. Your donkey is named Petunia. I want a draft horse. My horse's name is Taily. I'm buying a mastiff. I was thinking Ralph. I buy a vial of holy water. You leave the city. People are still abuzz about something that happened at the carnival last night. You become aware of some large bird-like creature in a small clearing up ahead. Should we just try to outrun it? Huzzah! And I give Taily my spurs. You ride off into the night, leaving the cockatrice behind. And with that, we forge ahead. And the three heroes gallop off on their various mounts towards Ildrazar. Looking down into a low valley ahead of you, you can see ancient stonework overgrown with ivy and vines. At the center of it all, a great pit leading straight down into the earth. So this is what you were hiding from us all that time, Aslo. Shaba, don't think of it as hiding. Think of it as delaying a potential opportunity for gaining more wealth. Oh, so it's like when you wrap goats giving presents and put them beneath the shrubbery for yes. all the good little Goliath boys and girls to open. It's building the anticipation so that when you finally get to crack open that wrapping paper... Did you just get them goat balls again? <laughs> You get them gold balls every year. Every year. Every year. And yet, it never gets old. Well, there was that one year where we got them an old goat ball, and it was kind of smelly, but... Yeah. It is currently late at night, in case you forgot. Mm. However, with the bright moonlight up above, since it is just after the full moon, you can still see a fair amount of detail. Looking down from your position at the top of the hill, you can see that little remains of whatever structures were once in this small valley... Here and there, you find a few cut stones that seem to be part of a collapsed wall or the outline of a foundation. Low vegetation and fallen leaves, however, cover almost everything. The most notable remains are the stone pillars near the hole, which have all fallen to the ground. One of them projects outwards over the pit some ten feet, while the pit itself is roughly circular and about thirty feet across. It looks intentionally made, with stonework ringing the hole similar to a well's wall. Much of it has collapsed, however, leaving corroded vine-covered earth in its place. This place is old. Real old. Super old. So, why did we want to come here again, Aslo? Why just walk around in boring old daylight when you can explore all the ancient stuff below the ground? That's my life motto, anyway. Mm. Eh, that's a good point, I guess. Nothing like the cold, hard under-earth to make you feel like you're at home. <laughs> right. So let's go, guys. Well, I hope we find some food, because I kind of told Stripey that there was food here. So There will probably be some food. Yeah, maybe some, like, mushrooms or something. Mm -hmm. Deliciously plain <laughs> food. Well, let's find out, shall we? Next time on the <laughs> Damage Guild. This place looks, frankly, it looks quite dangerous, so we'd yeah. best be on our guard as we enter. It also looks really cool, too. So, there's that. Yeah, it looks super awesome as well, but also very dangerous. Yeah, you're right. That's true. What do we historically know about Ildrazar? Okay. So, let me give you the rundown, Tokus. And Shaba pulls out a little scroll of notes that he's taken from, uh, from <laughs> listening to people talk about it. From what I can recollect about Ildrazar, it was a legendary dwarven city 
that was super duper double looper powerful back in the day. <laughs> and then all of a sudden one day, these creatures emerged from the earth and stormed the city and drove all the dwarves out. And there was this big like battle and or war, probably one with some of the other in it. <laughs> and they fought to wrest control of the city. And eventually they did. So the dwarves fled to a different locale and left the city as it was. And of course, the creatures from underground didn't really care about the city. They didn't want it. They didn't have any use for it. They were just there to pillage and attack people because they're evil creatures. And so they just sort of left it alone after that, I think. So what you're saying, Shaba, and Tokus, you can see Tokus has like got a light bulb going on. What you're saying is that this abandoned city is actually what we're pillaging. We could pillage, we could have a city. Yeah, we could just buy up this entire city for real cheap. Well, we don't have to buy it. Exactly, real cheap, like free. <laughs> we just claim it for ourselves. We could call it AAA City. We just plant <laughs> just, a flag. Yeah. All right, quick, we need someone to design us a flag, a AAA team flag, <laughs> so that we can just take this city for our own. And then I believe that this all, historic from a historical perspective, I believe this all happened right around the time that the emperor vanished. Ah, I could be wrong right. on that point, but I believe that's the case. Yeah, but obviously there was no correlation between Eldrazar and the dwarves and the battle and the emperor disappearing, right? I mean, this, this is just mere coincidence, Shaba. We don't know that. It's purely coincidental. And I know what you think about coincidences. Yeah, well, that's true. That is another discussion that we had recently. But <laughs> I, in this case, I, I, Shaba, prefer to place more value and more uh, potential into the possibility that the Emperor's disappearance had something to do with these emergences, uh, one of which we witnessed in Lobic Mine. Mm -hmm. Remember, that was another point at which creatures emerged from the depths that were heretofore unheard of. I would think that Shaba doesn't believe in coincidence because Shaba believes in the Ramlord. That's why I say I think Shaba prefers to put more of a, it wasn't a coincidence, there was something going on behind. There was there was something being orchestrated or... Right, Tokus is like, no, nah, it's coincidence. <laughs> right, right. Not necessarily that it was divine orchestration, but I think the two potentially could have something to do with one another. Was the Emperor a Ramlordian? Probably not. Almost certainly <laughs> not. Then Kavaki struck him down and, and <laughs> yeah. made a new king or something. Mm, yeah. <laughs> well, we do know that the the cult's uh, ultimate goal is to sow chaos, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but we don't know what the cult had to do with the emergence of these creatures either. Although there was some other goings on at the time where the two may have been related. Well, there's only one way to find out for sure, and that's by getting more information which we may or may not do down in this pit. But either way, I think we should forge ahead. But as though, I got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> Shaba, don't you know that all the best things happen after someone says, I've got a bad feeling about this? <laughs> I guess. Things can only go well from here, now that <laughs> okay. you've said that. All right, gang, let's go. I don't know about you guys. I have a great feeling about this. I haven't gone underground since we were in the sewer. Oh, no, Tokus, you've, you've ruined it. Something terrible is going to happen now. <laughs> uh, well, anything bad that happens now, once we go into this dark pit of death and destruction, we can just blame on Tokus. Okay. Are we going to walk down to the ruins yet? 
Yeah, let's do that. I think let's, we start walking down. Let's say we're walking while we're talking. Okay, so let's walk down to the ruins. I'd like to touch the ruined walls, feeling for archaeological ooh, significance. Tokus, 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 Tokus. What's up? Make a cave check. Oh, uh, we're not in the cave yet. But you can still make a cave check anyway. No, I will. I will, but first... You're near a cave. I want to feel <laughs> the energy of the walls of the ruins and have it speak to me. Speak to me, rocks. <laughs> Technically, any place that has a floor is cave checkable. Speak to me, trees. See, Shaba can speak with animals, but I have speak with rocks. Ah. <laughs> so I cast speak with rocks, which is <laughs> which is a what kind of check? Dungeon Master? You're trying to make a history check, I guess? Is that, like, the closest thing to archaeology? Yeah. All right, I will roll my d20. Ooh, that's a spicy roll right there. <laughs> that's a spicy one. I just rolled. <laughs> uh, that's a 21. Holy shnikes. Okay, so you're trying to see what you can learn about the area by looking at the rocks? Well, is, no, are there, like, inscriptions or are there, like tools that were left behind i want to learn about their culture did, did someone etch bob was here w-u-z into one of the cinder blocks <laughs> are there like hieroglyphs like is there cave paintings what what's the you don't see anything that would be a form of writing that you recognize judging from what remains of the buildings some of them were probably dwarven construction and others are showing signs of being more human you would guess that there was probably a mix of races here Interesting. A mixed city. Merchants. And, and oh, look, over here, there was maybe a tavern, do you see? Mm. And maybe maybe they hung out here together and had a few pints. What about the age of the stone, Tokus? Can you tell anything about whether these buildings were constructed close together in time, or whether they were built up gradually over a longer period of time? Speak, Rock. Speak to <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'm not going to hurt you, little rock. You can tell us your secrets. <laughs> and I, I hold my ear up to one of the rocks to demonstrate my, my speak with rock skill. After petting it and calming it down a little bit, it was a little bit ornery before that. But You, you have to pet your yeah. rocks. You have to yeah. pet your rocks and put them in a box in your closet. Shh, 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 shh. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> These buildings were probably built... Somewhat close to the same time, probably like five or six hundred years ago. And they've been lying here for well over a hundred years. Wow. That's all I can really learn about their culture? It's like foundations and fallen walls, so there's not much left to look at. Yeah, like no utensils or fire pits with various rare magical items. (laughs) Any loose items that would have once been here have long since been either taken away or covered in dirt that has accumulated over time Mm -hmm. okay that's still pretty cool i mean how often do we get to do that kind of a check i go into one of the houses and i nail four stakes into the wooden stakes in the ground and i set up a ribbon uh to make a perimeter for our archaeological dig that we are about to begin we start dusting (laughs) yeah we just start (laughs) dusting the little rocks you pick up stripey and like stripey's the brush (laughs) the duster Oh, yeah. Or just using a spoon to start digging. Guys, I found an Allosaurus! And then it's just like a chicken bone or something. (laughs) (laughs) So this is essentially a structure, a town, something that was here, and then it collapsed in on itself. There's a hole here, but the hole looks man-made. Right. The village up here seems like it was pretty small, just a collection of a couple dozen buildings. It does sound like Ildrazer is an actual city under the ground. 
Right. So this is just like a town around that was built up around it that's fallen to ruin. Looks like maybe a suburb of Ildrazar. So yeah, I would not be surprised at all if people had been here before. Uh, you know, people know about this place. They've been here and picked things up. My question is, how long has this hole been here and have people been down in it? Tokus, maybe you can do a geological survey to look at the layers the perimeter of, of the yeah around the perimeter of the hole. Oh yeah, that'd be interesting to check out. All right, so I, I move my twenty one towards the pit. <laughs> <laughs> Just gonna reapply that twenty one to every check for the rest of this session. I hope that's cool, Thane. I'm continuing my archaeological search towards the hole. Come on, little twenty one. Come on, Thane's like it. I will not stand for this. <laughs> I mean, you're not getting a whole lot of info out of that anyway, so. Looking around the hole, the most notable things that you find are two large semicircular panels made of metal lying on either side of the pit. Each one probably would have covered about half the pit by Whoa. itself. So Wow. Okay, so how like big around is this pit? You said 30 feet in diameter? I said it was about 30 feet across. Whew-wee. Man. So metal doors, essentially. Are they like where the doors would meet? Is it a clean line or like a jagged brick? It's a fairly clean line. It looks like they were intended to close together. Okay. However, both pieces have been removed and no longer are attached on their hinges or anything. They're just kind of lying on the ground nearby. Wow. Okay, so we can see hinges at the edge, like the opposite edges of the pit? You can see broken hinges on the metal panels. Okay. Okay. Wow. So it's like a vault when it's closed. Yeah. Like, they were ready for the apocalypse or, like, a meteor coming down or something. Or they just didn't want any rain to get into Eldrazar. Hmm. That's true. I'm sure the dwarves can handle a little bit of rain, <laughs> Let me tell you about gnomes and dwarves. A lot of people think we're, like, the same thing, and, like, Tokus tries to look as dwarfish as possible, <laughs> pops up his chest. Yeah, you do look really dwarfish that way. But there's some tremendous differences between the two. As Aslo would know, Aslo's also not a dwarf. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> I am also not a dwarf or a gnome. Common misconception. So we're both, like dark dwellers you know we both like hanging out in the ground but we don't treat the ground the same way like the dwarves don't have as much of a love and appreciation for rocks as we do they're more into like using the ground for their own exploits mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. harvesting like resources from it to to fuel their economy whereas like we're more like one with the ground we just like hanging out down there and having a good time and halflings like circular doors, which is why I'm kind of keen on this place, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it does have that design aspect to it. The fact that there are giant metal doors on this place tells me that perhaps the lost city of Ildrazer is not so lost after all. Hmm. All right, well, I'll save you guys a spot in the line, and Tokus gets in line behind all the other adventurers going on, like, the tour of Eldrazar ride. <laughs> Whoa, where did these people come from? They save you guys a spot. They have, like, one of those gondolas going across where it's like, swoops down on, a, like, a little zip line. <laughs> it, like, goes into the tunnel. All right, get your tickets, get your tickets here. Five gold a pop. And on your right, you'll see the hole that Ildrazer is known for. <laughs> There's like a statue of some of the kings and queens of the dwarves. And you can't tell the difference, kind of like uh, Elbrit. <laughs> <laughs> some would say there are no dwarf women. Come from holes in the ground, like this one. <laughs> well, Aslo can't contain his excitement anymore. 
So he makes his way over to the hole and tries to get close without getting too close and try to like peer over the little wall to see if he can see down into the hole. You come up on one of the sides where the stone wall is still pretty much intact. It's got a few layers of stone blocks near the top that go down and then it just kind of transitions into rocky dirt as far as you can see. Several of the parts of the wall have already collapsed and caved down, so it's just kind of a dirt slide that leads into the pit. Okay, so it's not a straight vertical descent. It's like maybe a vertical on part of it, but then other part it kind of like curves out. Like a funnel? It looks like it goes straight down. It's just near the top, there's some of the parts that have eroded away into a slope. Okay. That would slide down that into the straight pit. Gotcha. Okay. All right, so there's no clear path down. So we're going to take the slide? (laughs) (laughs) well in other words the the slide just goes straight into a dead drop like you would slide about five feet and then just fall Mm. we'll send stripey first okay perfect. (laughs) that seems like a good plan we'll we'll tie lobbix lanky lengthy lanky line lobbix lengthy line line. around stripey and throw him you can send him in there shaba and and he'll do the first take well we've forgotten about taily ralph and petunia Ooh, that's right. What are we going to do with them? Oh, Petunia. No, no, she's safe. We we tied them off to the trees back there, didn't but we? we didn't say we did that, so I think they're still <laughs> with us. Remember, Mordenkainen's magical watchdog. Okay. <laughs> but you never said that you tied off your mouth. <laughs> We're going to lower the mounts with a pulley system. <laughs> as bait to see what eats them. <laughs> we pull it back up again. It's just a skeleton. Uh, <laughs> you guys' mounts are so much cooler than my petunia. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, but yeah, we were yeah. thinking, we were hoping you wouldn't notice. <laughs> Tokus like looks at petunia and then looks at your mounts and then looks back at petunia and I'm just like, all right, petunia, it's okay. Petunia just farts. Don't be intimidated by those two. You're special. And like in like Tokus's mind, he's like drafting up plans of like armor plating and like stuff for like he's gonna like make it like a mecha petunia. <laughs> <laughs> Give her bionic implants and robotic legs and stuff. Well, I don't know if I can actually afford to make a mechanized steed, and Thane has to approve that. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seem like two pretty big uh, hurdles you have to overcome there. So maybe I'll just mechanize Petunia, lop off, like, some of her limbs, and, like, replace them with, like, robotic versions, kind of XCOM style. And And once she's finished, she won't be Petunia anymore. She'll be... Robotunia. <laughs> and like Petunia, you can see Petunia's like nervous, like the way I'm looking at her. She has like a flamethrower on the front, comes out of her mouth. <laughs> like instead of putting my money into a worthwhile mount, I'll just soup up Petunia. Uh, and then a, yeah. another one in the back, but a jet engine. <laughs> A flamethrower actually is a really good idea. Her feet like sprout wheels and then she just goes... <laughs> yeah, just rolls like a rocket sled. What is that one children's cartoon that has like the robotic dog? You know what I'm thinking of? I have no idea. Like not like Jimmy Neutron, but like like way yeah. older. But it was like a robot dog and it could do everything. I stopped watching children's cartoons after SpongeBob came out. Because <laughs> I realized that there's no hope for humanity. Well, this is pre-SpongeBob. I'll have to look it up. But there, I'm like in my mind, I'm like thinking of the robot dog from that cartoon. Uh, it's not the Jetsons, is it? I don't think they so. They did have a robotic dog. They did have a robo dog. But this one was more... He was like paired with like a superhero. It was weird. It was like a robot dog... And, like, there was, like, a superhero oh, guy yeah. in tights. And they were, like, a team. Familiar. If any listeners know that reference, comment in the chat. 
There's no chat. Please tweet at us. At Damage Guild. Join our Discord. Join our Discord. Uh, email just so you us, can tell us what the reference is. Thanks. Yeah. Bye. Before we carry on any further with this hole, I just want to take a quick look around. Uh, I don't want to waste too much time on it, but just to see if there are any other entrances to the below ground. You know, a cellar in someone's basement where oh. it also opened up into the uh, under dark or what have you. Food storage, a bomb shelter, or something like that. Perhaps I can assist you with this, Asla. Wouldn't we have seen that when we did the archaeological search? Not necessarily. I think that was looking for history. This is looking for an entrance. Secret entrance. Indoors. Okay. Which is quite another thing from history. Yeah, give me an investigation check. Well, Tokus didn't find squat. I got a 10. 13. Shaba decides to make a perception check instead. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which would be... uh, I rolled a 10 on the die, so my investigation is uh, 11, my perception is 14. Yeah, you don't think that you found anything that looks like a likely entrance? Okay. So as far as we know, going straight down into this 30-foot wide hole is our only route into Ildrazer. Yeah, like I said, why do we come here again? Adventure. Hello. Are we not the AAA team, Aslo's assembled adventurers? We are the AAA team. Anybody got slow fall? Don't have slow fall, don't have feather fall, but we do have a rope. I have fall like a real heavy shaba. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good spell, too. Yeah, so it doesn't look like we'd survive the distance. It's a spell-like ability, Aslo, technically. Oh, true. How lengthy is Lavik's line? We did cut it once. We didn't actually cut it, but we did, did we extend it to its full length? You've never reached a limit on it. Holy shnikes, dude. Yeah, I was going to say, we've never actually found out. Is Tokus the only one with uh, dark vision? Affirmative. Yeah, uh, he is. Okay. Stripey might All have right. dark vision. Why don't we do what we did last time? We went down into a deep chasm. and we lowered me in first, like bait. I was just going to suggest the same thing. I That's mean, perfect. I am the tank, so... <laughs> and, and I'm growing into more confidence of my tankiness. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Yeah, let's do that. Lobbock's lengthy line, we tie you very securely with it. Shaba and I will both man the thing up front. We can wrap one end around a, a column or any part of a house that's still intact, and then we use that to lower you down. Yeah, long story short, we rig up a complicated system of pulleys to make you <laughs> less heavy and make it easier for us to lift you up if a situation arises where that would be necessary. How astute, Shaba, and your use of simple machines has impressed me. <laughs> that plus one to your intelligence is showing. <laughs> I don't think you have the means to create a block and tackle here. Mm, true. Yeah. Too bad we forgot to pick up all our block and tackles from the general store before we left town. <laughs> you can easily tie off the end of the rope and then send him down with the pouch. Okay, nice. sweet. All right, Tokus. Pouch it up. You're up. This is your chance. This is your moment. This is the moment of truth, Tokus. Tokus steps up to the edge of the hole and begins to do like a backwards belay, like descent. Repel. Yeah, I start to repel. What if this is all just a big fishing trip? What if we're fishing with Tokus as the bait? What if there's a gigantic moon worm like in Empire Strikes Back that lives in this hole? <laughs> just like It's like exactly the circumference of the hole. We're like, that's where the hole came from. We thought it was like a yeah. vault. Thought it was just naturally smooth carved like this. Don't lower me all at once, Game Master. I may have something I do mid-descent. So gripping the bag in one hand and sliding down the rope with the other hand, you begin your propel. Oh, I don't have a free hand? Uh Uh-oh. 
Never mind. There goes my plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could just toss the bag down and then slide down the rope. I do not want to just toss the bag down into the blackness. <laughs> Wait, why is the bag with me? Shouldn't it be with them? No, because the, the rope comes out of the bag. Oh, I see. So I'm, I'm like, extend. it's extending. If it's secured at the top, then you need to have the part that actually extends with you. I gotcha. How many hands does it take to cast Minor Illusion? One. Okay, can I get a free hand for a moment? Uh, yeah, you could stop, just tuck the bag away and cast something. Yeah. All right, so I'll, I'll put it, like, under my other arm or something, like, under my elbow, maybe? Just just hold both with one hand, yeah. And with my other hand, I cast an illusion. It's going to look like, like, um, what's something they would find delicious? I don't know what we're up against. Say cotton candy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create, like, a very <laughs> generic... What? I don't think your minor illusion moves with you or anything. It's what? a specific spot. Can I see the ground? Can I see the bottom yet? No. I haven't really described anything. <laughs> yeah, let, let the DM do his job first before you start wasting spell slots. Oh, I guess okay. it's a cantrip. It's a anyway. cantrip. Uh-huh. It's not a waste. <laughs> a cool wind blows past your face as you descend down the shaft, and you hear the distorted echoes of dripping water from far below. The muddy walls are slick with both groundwater and the recent rain. After about 30 feet down, the vines on the walls are replaced by moss and lichen. And another 200 feet later, the shaft opens into a cavern. Judging from the echoes, it must be extremely expansive. Here and there in the distance, you think you can see some faint green lights glowing, but it's difficult to judge how large or how distant they are. It has a similar effect to those green glow-in-the-dark things that you see... Is it like bioluminescent moss? Possibly. <laughs> That's so cool. Tokus is just like taking all of this in. What mysteries? Your dark vision is 60 feet? Yes. At the edge of your dark vision, you can just barely make out the ground. I see a spot to plant my illusion. And I will do what we talked about earlier, tuck the rope, holding with one hand, and cast illusion of the minor variety to the ground. I will cast something very innocent looking, like like a chocolate bunny or something mm. that would look tasty. Make it like a Swedish fish. Those are really good. And monsters like them. Like a dancing ice cream cone, perhaps. Oh, that's a good one. You know what? We'll, we'll create an ice cream bowl that has Swedish fish <laughs> and also oh, yeah. an excellent combination. Has all these other things we've described. Like from one of the Froyo places, it's just like a big bowl of frozen yogurt with a bunch of toppings. And on it's it. got like a spoon, so it's like ready to eat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except it's like more toppings than ice cream. Pick a type of food that exists. <laughs> <laughs> Hypothetically, ice cream exists once we've combined the ingredients in the correct way. It's like a nice roasted pheasant. I'm going to go with something that's meat, Ooh, yeah. actually. I think yeah, yeah, meat. Yeah. Like, a, like a nice shaba roasted pheasant, mm. but it, it has no seasoning on it. It's plain. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like steaming, right? It's like fresh, hot, warm pheasant. Yes. So you make an illusion of a roasted pheasant on the ground. And I watch it for a moment. Minor illusion is only visual... And audio, right? Sight and sound. Oh yeah, it's not going to smell, and it's no. it's not going to draw any attention to itself other than that it appears. I was about to say, when that scent wafts up, Shabba's like, dang, dude. And then I just let go of the rope and turn around and start cooking up a pheasant. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that smells good. Or just swan dive into the pit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And was like, I can't hold him. Someone's cooking <laughs> a pheasant down there, man. It's one of my faves. So you make an illusion, and I'm guessing nothing happens? Yeah, you don't see anything happen. 
Any signs of movement? Just the rope twitching? Yeah, you can make out some leaves down on the ground that are moving a little bit. I'm going to do our aforementioned decided, although I didn't mention this to you guys, tug pattern. That's the, okay, let Stripey come down now. I need some support. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. We have no idea what those tugs mean. Um, I think based on our last experience, wasn't it like one tug was I'm good and come two down tugs and two like, tugs were haul me up. Yeah. yeah. But this is like five tugs oh, in a wow. specific pattern. Uh, I think he's like, trying to send us like Morse, Morse code. code. Yeah. yeah let's, <laughs> let's wait and see what the other tugs say. Really to me, like a series of quick tugs is like, holy crap, something's about to eat me. Please pull me back up. Okay. Uh, so hold on. Uh, M Q. Is that a, uh, <laughs> 12. I don't know what he's saying. Wow, I didn't know they had a Morse code number for 12. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know what he's trying to say. I, I can't decipher it. Oh, I, so first I, I just try casting message to see if he's within range. And I don't think so. But 120 feet, so he's not. No. Nope. Well, now you know how it's really deep. I take out a piece of parchment and I write, hey, Tokus, are you okay? And I tie it to <laughs> a like rock a paper airplane. and I drop it into the... And I say one tug if yes, two tugs if no, and then I drop it into the pit. A few moments later, you hear it. Ow! <laughs> it would take like four or five seconds probably to get down to you. Yeah, it would hit maximum velocity or terminal velocity. Terminal velocity. <laughs> and then we just hear no tugs and we feel no tugs. <laughs> so you see a rock smash to the ground down below you. Oh, oh that could have been me. And then I, I Morse code back up to them. Guys, be careful. There's falling rocks. <laughs> <laughs> we still don't know what that means. Yeah. I'm going to go closer to the ground. I don't want to touch down necessarily, but I want to be close. Like 15 feet close. So you slowly descend farther. And it looks like the whole floor here is just covered in wet weaves. Right. They haven't taken out the blower. Or there's nobody raking down <laughs> here. So you make a nice mulch. There's just a little old dwarf lady who's just raking. <laughs> just raking. <laughs> there's this little old lady on my street who like will go out and rake leaves and like all up and down the main, the shared sidewalk. And like she'll shovel snow or like just clean up Plant. around the parking spots. It's awesome. Yeah, it's wow. Great. You don't pay her anything. She's super <laughs> nice. Yeah. From your lower vantage point, you can make out what looks to be a large pile of rusted chains lying on the ground nearby, along with a few stone buildings in various states of decay and a fallen obelisk. An obelisk? Dude. What? And Tokus is going to touch down immediately and head for the obelisk. Okay. <laughs> whoa, whoa, he's moving fast. He's moving whoa, fast. The rope's like sliding through our hands now. Whoa, where's he going? <laughs> I think we caught something. <laughs> As you try to touch down, you realize the leaves are actually floating atop a shallow puddle, and so you end up soaking your boots in the water. Oh, bummer. I hate when that happens. You're standing in like eight or nine inches of water. Wow. That's like half of me almost. That's like deep. That's like <laughs> knee height. Or yeah, okay, yeah. Not quite half. <laughs> Only a foot and a half tall. Zoinks, <laughs> guys. So you're up to your knees in water as you trudge yeah. toward this obelisk. Oh, was not expecting that. The obelisk is perhaps a bit smaller than what it sounds like from that word, but you walk over towards it and you can see it's a four-sided stone thing with kind of pointed top, except that it has... A, a pillar? 
Yeah, like a pillar, but it mm-hmm. wasn't supporting anything. Like a George Washington monument? It probably used to be standing. Yeah, basically like the Washington monument. <laughs> Except it's only maybe 10 feet tall, and it has fallen to the ground. Mm. It's a scale model of the Washington monument. Mm. <laughs> Our worlds collide. Yeah, and then it's like the end of... Uh, Planet of the Apes, and you realize we're <laughs> and on then Earth. you look up, and it's just like <laughs> no! the entire thing is DC, like a, a scale model, yeah, like a scale map of it. <laughs> you realize we're just giants who are actually on Earth. Yeah. So we're just like way in the future. <laughs> Interesting. And the end. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for listening Thanks to for our show. In. I hope you enjoyed yeah. it. <laughs> yep. The Damage Guild Podcast. An extra strength healing potion for your soul. Greetings, friends. It's me, Shamalai Rainbow Strawberry McNeilson, your trusted spiritual advisor, and also your accountant, who is definitely not embezzling millions of dollars from your personal accounts at this very moment, with just a few mouse clicks and a lucky guess that your password was password, all lowercase, no special symbols. I'm here today to tell you that the prediction I made a few months back about the Damage Guild podcast, your favorite podcast, as you've told me on many occasions ad nauseum, has come to pass. As you'll recall, I predicted that the DGP would see their monthly download numbers continue to rise, crushing their previous records. And boy howdy, let me tell you. I don't know why I made that prediction at the time, since I've hated Dungeons & Dragons podcasts ever since both my parents were killed in a horrific Dungeons & Dragons podcasting accident. All I can say is that it was kind of like that Phil Collins song, you know, the one about feeling it coming in the air tonight. But for whatever reason, in October, the DGP blew its previous record out of the water. Then they beat that record again in November, again in December, and in January, guess what happened? I'll give you a clue. It starts with WoW and ends with Holy Shnikes. I kid you not, they doubled, they double bubble toil and troubled, that December record. So why am I telling you all this? Am I doing it just to point out that you proved me wrong? That your favorite podcast is better than all the other podcasts? Well, obviously I am a podcast rights activist, and I believe that all podcasts are part of the great compost heap we call Mother Earth. Even the ones about D&D, a frivolous and destructive pastime with demonic undertones and a tendency to desensitize its participants to the differences between fantasy and reality. Just kidding, it's been me, Jay, this whole time. To all our new friends trickling in over the past few months from the brand new Pandora podcasts, or flooding in as the case may be, which by the way, we were very fortunate to get in on Pandora podcasts at the ground level thanks to some key strategic moves on Sean's part at just the right time, we actually did set a new record in December and then doubled that record in January. So here's a huge thank you to our friends on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, on Player.fm, on Stitcher, on iHeartRadio, on CastBox, on Podcast Addict, Overcast, CF Network, Alexa, PocketCast, Downcast, BeyondPod, GPodder, Roku, VLC. Those are just some of the platforms that pop up in our stats from time to time. To everyone out there who is listening to this, our 71st episode, you're making our dreams come true. And most especially to our wonderful patrons, each and every one. You are the grass that cradles us, the sun that binds our fears, the wind that gives us breath, the dirt that stays under our fingernails, wherever we go. You are a part of us, and we are a part of your face. We love you. Enjoy the rest of this episode, and we'll see you again in just two short weeks. You are listening to the Damage Guild Podcast. So wait, all the different races and magic was like actually just because of the results of the nuclear war that ended Mm -hmm. the previous world? Exactly. We're all just mutant freaks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just radiated. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What else does he see? (laughs) You go up to the obelisk and you see that it has 
weathered writing on it in both Dwarven and mm. Old Altorian. I will feel the writing with my hand as if I'm reading it, but I can't read it. <laughs> I was looking into learning a spell that languages. lets me, yeah. Uh, you can actually understand the Altorian writing somewhat. Sort of like reading Middle English would be for us. Ah. Oh, wow, cool. Well, it is a little old-timey, but... <laughs> Ye old obelisk. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I've, I've discovered the true meaning of this text. <laughs> <laughs> a story about a stone tower. It seems to be a message welcoming all comers to the city of Ildrazer and directions pointing to different districts or landmarks. Cool. It also appears that you aren't the first adventurer to come here, as some smeared chalk writings have been added next to those few labels that are still legible. Oh. Babrik was here. <laughs> no, no, I bet they're notes. Okay, so what do the notes look like? Is there, like, circles or X's over certain destinations? I, like, what do they, what do they draw? I'll read them out to you. Okay. <laughs> this is important. <laughs> you read Platinum Plaza... Next to which is the word trogs in chalk. Mm. Oh, oh, that's boy. a lot more information than I thought I'd get from this. Yeah, we should <laughs> definitely be writing this down. Yes, we should be taking notes. And by we, I mean Tokus is taking notes. Ildrazer in Bastion <laughs> with bears and a question mark. Wait, with bears is in... No. So Ildrazer in Bastion is carved in the stone and then in chalk, bears with a question mark next to it. Bears, or something that seemed to be bears. And then Mithril Mines, which has been crossed out in chalk. Okay, we're not going there, because it's been crossed out. Or they already mm. found what they wanted, and we have to go there. Or there was too much sweet, sweet Mithril for them to carry back by themselves, and so they want to make other people think that it's blocked off. Mm. Toka starts thinking about all the different things he could do with Mithril. <laughs> and lastly, Glenhammer Hall which in big <gasps> bold lettering has next to it written the word dragons. Oh. Unfortunately, it's not immediately obvious where any of these landmarks are, as the obelisk is clearly not in its intended orientation. Mm. So we'll have to pick it up. <laughs> you can tell that the plaza and Embastion are in the same direction and opposite the mines. And that Glenhammer Hall is off to one side, mm, but you're not sure okay. which direction any of those are. And there's no, there's no like obvious spot where the obelisk broke off, and I can't just look at the bottom of the obelisk to see how it may have been oriented. It looks like it was actually flat and just kind of standing here and fell somehow. You could maybe guess if it hasn't been moved since it fell. You could possibly guess from that. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. So it wasn't like mounted to the ground, you're saying? It just like tipped over basically? Yeah, but you're not sure if it's moved since then. If you assume that it hasn't moved, then you can right. follow those instructions and figure it out. Mm. I'm gonna go with that. I hope it hasn't moved. It's better than uh, I guess digging around in this muck considering there's water, it'd be really hard to see where it was originally planted. Yeah. I think at this point, Aslo gives uh, a couple tugs on the rope. Tug, tug. Um, I Tug, tug. I, <laughs> it's probably pretty okay. slack at this uh, point, but you can feel it waving. What if I undo... Wouldn't they feel that there's no weight on the rope anymore except for the ro <laughs> rope itself? Yeah. We're just imagining like a tattered end with you in something's <laughs> mouth. <laughs> well, how are we going to get the other guys down? I guess what I could do... Okay, so Tokus is going to move over to where the shaft is and where the, the rope is going up. Is there something I could tie it off to, and then maybe the guys could slide down kind of fireman's pole style? 
I think it's already tied off to you, isn't it? I mean, I guess I could be the bottom of the fireman's pole. It's not tied to him because he had to go down with the rope being created as he went. Oh, yeah. There's not really anything directly below the opening that you could tie it to. Besides what I described, you don't see any other points. So there's stone buildings, obelisk, chains. You could tie it to the obelisk, right? (laughs) (laughs) You could. Or the chains. However, you do remember that this bag also would retract if you gave the command word. So you could send them down with the bag on their own, too. Or they could just repel Mm. normally. That's kind of a cool idea to have the bag retract. I I like that, although it means I'd have no rope. And I would just be alone in the dungeon for a bit while they get their act together. (laughs) We'll do it. All right, so I say the command word. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so a minute or so after your tugs on the rope, you see the bag fly back up empty. Uh, what the heck? Uh Uh-oh. Uh, Togus? Togus! I start yelling down the hall. Togus, are you okay? Okay, okay. Can you hear us? Togus! You can hear that echoing down. It's pretty faint at this distance. I don't want to yell up at them. (laughs) (laughs) Tokus, don't be dead. Shaba, I think we need to go down after him. I agree. Real quick. Who should go next? Uh, You should go next because we need to make a quick set of rules for tugging. So if you're all right, tug once. No, if you're all right, tug twice when you get to the bottom. If you're not all right, tug three times. Okay. So I'll know it's just not like like a accidental... Yeah. Tug. So go down, check it out, and if you're okay, then I'll come down after you. Okay, so okay, that's twice, and not okay, that's three. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, I do the same thing Tokus did. I loop it around, do the cool thing that people do when they're belaying, and then I start belaying. You're not belaying, you're repelling. I mean, yeah, see, like I said, I know a lot about this subject. But yeah, belaying is <laughs> what Shaba's doing to you. So, I do that. I said it wrong <laughs> earlier as well. Actually, they're not really being belayed at all, because you're just riding down the rope as you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you descend down the hole. It's really not hard to repel, so you have no trouble getting down there. Okay. And you see everything as I described it before. Tokus, you're you're okay. Yeah, I was fine. We were worried about you when you just suddenly sent the bag back up and didn't respond to us shouting down the tunnel to you. The, the yeah, pit. but I didn't want to wake up the... Now look, back and forth. The dragons. The, the what? I didn't want to alert. <laughs> the dragons. Oh my gosh, that's really scary. I know. Dragons are scary, Tokus. I know. And then, and then Tokus walks over to a corner of the, of the room and then looks around some more and then takes a nice breath and says, I said dragons. <laughs> I, I heard you the last time. Oh, it was for emphasis. Oh, okay. Hey, we, I guess we should get uh, uh, Shaba down here, shouldn't we? Uh, he de- I don't know how he feels about dragons. Maybe we should do this adventure without him. That'd be really interesting, just the two of us. All right, let's go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so I send, I uh, I tug twice and then send the bag back up. Wait, no, it, oh yeah, twice is, I'm okay, yeah. Command word. Okay, when the bag comes back up, I've heard, I've felt Aslo tug twice. I, since Tugus and Aslo are both uh, very careless with their mounts, I take the liberty of tying them off. <laughs> we just left Petunia and the Mastiff. Oh yeah, my dog has eaten your mule. <laughs> yeah. I tie Petunia to Ralph, and then I tie Taylor off onto a nearby building. And then I 
proceed to descend. So you two land in the shallow pool of water at the bottom? I can't see anything. Guys? Oh, oh that's true. I, guys? You can't see anything light. either. Guys? <laughs> guys? Hey! Hey, guys! I cast, I cast light. Are you around? <laughs> guys? Oh, oh. oh, sorry. Shaba, keep your voice Ooh, down. Wow, that's really bright. Hold on. Aslo, turn the light down. <laughs> Shaba, stop. Real, real You're so loud. All right, I dim it a little bit. Shaba, oh, there's... So you have to be quiet. There might be monsters down here. Not just any monster, Aslo. I, like, partially cover my eyes and squint into the darkness. I'm like, Tokus, is that you? Tokus? Shaba, it's obviously me, and not a figment of your imagination. I grab him by the collar and dunk him under the water, <laughs> and then lift him up and say, how could you do that to us? We thought you were dead! <laughs> how could you do that? Shaba, stop, stop, you're making too much noise. Shaba, and you, like, dunk, you, like, dunk me again. We thought you were dead. I'm, like, trying to tell you that there's dragons, but you, like, keep dunking me under the water. I'm like, you're <laughs> drag, drag. What did we tell you about tugging on the rope to let us know you're okay? I don't, Shaba, put him down. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I'd let him fall into the water. Shaba, we didn't discuss any uh, parameters for the rope. I just did what I thought was best. And there's dragons! And, like, to- like Tokus raises his voice. <laughs> dragons! 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 <laughs> uh, that was probably bad, then. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my lair. I can feel your air. <laughs> okay, wait, can I not actually shout? That would be stupid. I, that was just for <laughs> yes, comical All effect. of those things that we did about making loud noises, we don't do. And then uh, I think um, Tokus brings us over to the obelisk and shows us that. And uh, we read those things. And I promise those two that I didn't make those chalk markings, even though there's a piece of chalk in my hand. <laughs> no, kidding but i do have chalk or was was uh, i think i'm the one that took the chalk let me see yeah each of you everybody has one piece of chalk just in case of emergency so we have platinum plaza trogs the something in bastion bears just ildrazer uh, and bastion ildrazer and bastion bears question okay. mark mithril mines which is crossed out in glenhammer hall dragons oh, dragons now we know that name, Glenhammer, don't we? Glenhammer. Glenhammer is the kingdom to the south, which is where our good friend Greth Omdrover is from. Ah, that's right. And they, didn't they tell us that a lot of their ancestors came from Ildrazer? Or maybe even some of them? Good pull, Aslo. I don't remember that, but you're probably right. I've got the memory of a rock. Sieve. Roughly. Yeah, sieve, yeah. <laughs> a sieve. Everything goes right through it, but sometimes things get stuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. Every once in a while, something catches. Uh, <laughs> okay, so, alright, what do we make of this team? We've got trogs, bears, and dragons. Oh my. Now, mithril mines... That is intriguing. It's crossed out. It's possible that with any of these markings, they were simply trying to deter other people from going to those other things. So let's go to the one that has the scariest thing written on it, because that's probably actually the best treasure. Definitely Uh, the dragons part. Actually, can we not go to the dragons one? Yeah. Oh, why not? And if we were going to do the dragons, we should totally just have Aslo go in there with invisibility. So so, so rule me this, rule me this. We only have so many spell slots. 
What if we did the dragons last and had just like Stripey go in there as a sacrifice? Or, I mean, I, I, I'm just putting that out there. We don't have to do that. Or we could just have Aslo scurry in there invisibly, grab something, and get out. Dude. Burglar, go burgle something. Yeah, go I just realized how much like, uh, like Bilbo Baggins I am. <laughs> awesome, guys. <laughs> we could totally do that, but we should do that last, in my opinion. Shaba, you think you're going to manage well down here? Nope. <laughs> All right. Well, now that we have that uh, out of the way. I'm already feeling claustrophobic. I just imagine Shaba, like, on his belly, crawling. <laughs> like, dragging yourself along. I think it's mostly open water that he's afraid of. Yeah, it's definitely open water, but I mean, after being in those sewers, I'm a little less looking forward to the prospect. Just because some of those tunnels were real tiny. Question. This pouch will only retract if we speak the command word, correct? Correct. Yes. So if some stranger comes in here later while we're not here and tries to retract this, they won't be able to unless they know the secret password. Right. Uh, Well, they could read the bag. Oh, shoot. Does the bag have the command word written on it? Does anybody have a magic marker? Just tear it off. (laughs) Yeah, how did we learn? How do we learn the command word? I think it's more like the magic word. Like, studying the bag, you learn its properties, and you try out some magic words, you know, and it triggers it on command. Okay. Well, then we'll just have to hope they don't know any magic words. (laughs) Couldn't we, like, password protect the bag or something? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll encrypt the data for sure. Yeah, could we add multi-factor authentication, please? (laughs) (laughs) What was your grandmother's maiden name? Aslo gets a text like, hey, did you recently change the password? Did you retract the bag? No, that wasn't me. You have a new login from a different location. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a second, I didn't log into the bag today. (laughs) Someone's hacked my bag. <laughs> and then it zooms out into an infomercial for like a uh, company that does like anti hacking. Does yeah, right. That does identity theft protection. Don't let anybody just get into your bag. Use bag lock. <laughs> bag lock. <laughs> we have a long history of keeping your bag safe. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't never let your social bag security number get stolen again. <laughs> okay, so we leave the bag. Right, so we just leave the bag. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's long story short. <laughs> we could have Stripey guard the bag. That's true. Yeah. Is Stripey with you, Shaba? Yeah, he's with me. He's in my pack. Okay. But Good. it's like eight or nine inches of water, which is like up to Stripey's neck. <laughs> so Just put him into the bag. Yeah. He's a little bit bigger than that now. He has grown. Oh, that's true. So it's up to his chest then, maybe, close to his belly. But, yeah, we'll bring him with us. Okay, so do you just drop the bag in the puddle or? Yeah. Uh, we'll just leave it so that it's hanging, like, right above the water. Can we put it on the obelisk? Yeah, we'll retract it slightly so that it's dangling right above the water level. Actually, if you just let go of the bag, it begins to fall and extending more rope down there. Ah, uh, okay. Gotcha. Then, yeah, we'll, we'll do it, what Toka said. Bring it over to the obelisk and just kind of rest it there. Like wedge it underneath or something? Now, can we go ahead and, and try to discern the direction of each of these areas from the obelisk? Well, it's been... We don't know which direction it fell and if it's been twisted, so it's going to be kind of hard to... Yeah figure that out. If you assume that it hasn't been twisted since it fell, 
then you can figure out which direction everything is pointing in, according to that assumption. But it may or may not be correct. Okay. Let's figure out any possible direction that the dragons could be in and then not go to that one. Okay. Well, I do like making assumptions because they're efficient. So let's do that. <laughs> you know, running a business, it's all about efficiency, right? So they are, that's right. What do you say we head for the mithril mines? Okay. I like it. Just go straight for the treasure and come back. <laughs> so your guess would be that the plaza and the ambastion are north, Glenhammer Hall is east, and the mines are south. And it doesn't look like anything that you can read for the west. Okay. So Glenhammer Hall east and mines south is what our guess is? Yeah. And if it's wrong, then, you know, it's rotated 90 or 180 degrees in some direction. Okay. Okay. All right. We head south then. Tokus, you seem pensive. And or hesitant. Or thoughtful, perhaps. Contemplative, even. Or lost in your own mind. <laughs> nope, I can hear you guys now. Lost oh. <laughs> in the cavernous depths. Oh, that's that's why you seemed lost in your own mind, because you actually were. We thought you were just concentrating really, really hard. No, I was trying to close <laughs> some windows because I was getting some lag, and uh, but I don't want to close my character sheet, obviously. Which, by the way, if you guys have not tried Kami with like a smart PDF, this is it's how I've been doing Tokus lately, and it's so cool. I can just drop in little comments, because like D&D sheets, they run out of room. So, if you're a <laughs> mm-hmm. listener out there and you're like, there has to be a better way to do D&D sheets now, right? We're living in the 21st century after all. And like, no, seriously, I'll show you guys an example. <laughs> Some of us are at least. We'll sh- show our listeners an example. I'm going to show you an example. <laughs> and then we will make an example of you. <laughs> yeah. Do you see what I'm talking about? I do not. Where should I be looking? It, it's in the chat. Oh, oh. Oh, in the chat? See? Uh, I see a character sheet with many lines on it. Some of the lines have words in those lines. Other lines are bigger than the smaller lines, and they have <laughs> header text in them and numbers, and they're numbered, and they go one, two, four, five, seven, eight, nine. And then there's a <laughs> there's a le- <laughs> there's a letter box in the right side that says Sean Abrams, and it has a time, and then it says other le- words and letters in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool, okay? You guys are underselling this. It's very cool. Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> we haven't tried to sell it at all, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very cool, actually. Yeah, you guys could, like, be doing it this way. It's the best kind of cool. There are lots of online character sheet things that can do. I would love to hear about some of the ones that you like, Fane. Orc Pub has been good, but a lot of them get locked down because Wizards of the Coast is protective of its IP. So you can't use them in the same way that you could in previous editions because they're not OGL available. As it once was. Yes. In ages hence. Back in the heyday before Paizo stole, they didn't steal, but they used it under the OGL and made a killing off of a new game that then made WotC rethink the way they were going to release subsequent editions. A brief history on (laughs) Dungeons & Dragons. Part 1. (laughs) Okay, so I, as we are walking towards our destination, I want to keep an eye out, just looking around, you know, just on the off chance that I happen to see something that vaguely resembles a circular stone structure, uh, anything with, like, water in it, perhaps. It's like a bird bath. Yeah, like a bird bath or a fountain or a well or anything like that. Hey, Aslo, Aslo, what you looking for? Why are you looking for a fountain? (laughs) 
<laughs> Dang it, guys. He's <laughs> not saying that. I know, I know. How'd you get inside my thoughts? I mean, you cast message accidentally. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> oh, crap. I hate it when I do that. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you do that in your sleep, and that's how we, like, share dreams together. <laughs> yeah. I've just heard that, like, the Eldrazarians really loved their fountains, and hmm. uh, maybe sometimes they hid treasure in them. Whoa. I imagine, like, a dwarvish bathhouse where they're all just, like, hanging out in the spa. <laughs> With their gold chains on and stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Their long neck beards. And other than that, we continue walking. I start looking for fountains too that have treasure under them. <laughs> Actually, I would remind you, Aslo, that the priest that you talked to before, Rothtar the Blessed, told you that the temple at Ildrazer is said to house a holy fountain. Oh! That's the Ambastion. So you know where it is. It's not just going to be some fountain out in the middle of the city. Ah, okay. I hear that followers of Embastile call their temples Ambastions. <laughs> really? That's what I heard. Wow. Don't take my word for it. Just a rumor. Hey, guys, maybe we should... Hold on. Let's pause for a second. Let's reconsider. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Yeah, don't use that word because I might pause. So... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hold the phone. Stop the presses. We're take, taking a page right out of Tokus's book here. Just hold on, guys. And Tokus takes out a page. <laughs> Everybody just stop. Just stop. Go ahead, Asa. Go ahead. Okay. I personally have always enjoyed bears. One of my favorite animal types. And wouldn't it be cool to see a real live bear in person? I've seen lots of bears, Asla. I like them, actually. They're not too bad. As long as you don't get in between them and they're young, then they become fairly ferocious. Oh, well, since you like bears so much, why don't we go to the uh, the Ambastion, where they have these possible bears? Why the sudden change of heart, Ezra? I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just in a mood. But we're already partway to the, we're already an indeterminately number of distances from the place that we were going. <laughs> number of distances. Uh, but I really want to go to the Mithril, Aslo. Why? Yeah, but the to... Mithril mines sound really shiny. Yeah, we can get some good pictures. <laughs> All right. Let's go to the mines, we'll get the stuff, and then next stop will be the bears. Okay. Cool. Duh, bears. I'm down. All right, cool. We continue on. So you're heading south. Everything around here, like, the buildings have all been crushed and fallen, destroyed. You don't see anything that's still standing. Looks like it's been like this for a very long time. Oh, man. Godzilla's been through here. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. A Godzilla of time. You see up ahead, a little bit off the road... One of those glowing patches of green. It looks like a collection of oversized mushrooms and moss and fungus. <gasps> took his, you should take a sample. You should take a sample now. And I uncork one of the <laughs> vials that I haven't used yet. And then just suck up the mushrooms. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a Pokeball. It's just like... <laughs> it's just like... It's like Luigi's Mansion. <laughs> Great game, by the way. I pick it up and it like shoots like up my arm. <laughs> it attacks your face. It's like feisty and it's like eating my flesh as it goes up my arm. Like, <laughs> yeah, Dude, speaking of, did you hear that two people in China got the Black Plague? Yes, the Black what? Plague. What? Of medieval fame. But... It doesn't exist anymore. Oh, you want to make a bet, dude? It does. <laughs> oh my! Well, the Black goodness. Plague actually kills about fifty thousand people worldwide each year, and it is a bacterial infection which has recently been found to be antibiotic resistant 
in certain strains. Mm. So it's anti-antibiotic is what you're telling me? Yes. So is that like wow. how it all ends? Yeah, probably. Yeah. It's like pandemic, but for real. <laughs> and I don't even really like that board game, but I'm making a board game <laughs> reference right now. Yeah, we're, oh, we're all going to die of the Black Death. All the listeners that really like Pandemic now really despise me, but all the listeners that don't like Pandemic are like nodding their head. They're like, yeah, it's yeah, not gosh, that great. I don't yeah. get what anybody sees in that game. It's <laughs> yeah. so overrated. Yeah. Gosh. Definitely not in the board game top 100 on Board Game Geek or anything. Yeah, who plays cooperative games anyway? They're dumb. Yeah. Those are the worst kind of games. You have to like work together and stuff. Yeah. And anyone who owns that game especially is a big dork. Anybody who owns Pandemic Legacy Season 1 and it's like just off camera in their basement (laughs) definitely is an idiot. I actually do have a Pandemic game too. Yeah. I have Cthulhu Pandemic. Uh. (laughs) But it's not like actual Pandemic. It's totally different. Like, they're not the same at all. Mm. Yeah. Excuses. Because one has Cthulhu in it, so clearly. You head up with your vial uncorked towards the fungus, and suddenly some of the closest mushrooms start emitting this piercing, wailing sound. Oh, I knew it! (laughs) (laughs) And it just sounds like someone screaming at the top of their lungs in a high-pitched voice. I scream back at it. (laughs) Kill it! Kill it with fire! (laughs) Seriously, Tokus. Do that. Oh my goodness! What do we do to shut it up, guys? Kill it with fire. I can't hear you. Oh, okay. Launch a fire vial at it. I don't think any of us can hear each other. And then Tokus... Fire vial. Make an attack roll. 18. That hits. 8 damage. You light the top of it on fire, but it continues screaming. If anything, it's even louder now. And now it's like screaming like it's on fire. Like, well, no, is it sentient? Does it like change its scream? Uh, not really. Yeah, okay. It's just making lots of noise. I'll try to run up and stab it with a sword. So you run all the way up to it, and several other nearby mushrooms also begin to scream as you run into <laughs> oh, the midst no. of them. Uh, uh, what have we done? There's like four or five of them. It's hard to tell because of the sounds just everywhere, but <sighs> I just start hacking and slashing. This is so loud. Um, all right, so... Oh, whose turn is it? I haven't really done initiative yet, but I guess we probably should. Initiative. Aslo gets a 16. Shaba gets a 14. 13 for Tokus. Stripey gets something good. Stripey gets a 19. Okay, so what does Stripey do? (laughs) He covers his ears and cowers in my backpack. (laughs) That's pretty much what he seems to do... Most of the time. <laughs> yup. <laughs> yeah, like, wait a second, wait a second. We were talking about this the other day. What do we roll initiative for Stripey? Why do we even bother with Stripey? Hold up. Because Isn't I have he to. your companion? Yes. Doesn't he get, like, a free res? Nah, dude. He's Stripey. Am I thinking of a different rule? I There's only that... one Stripey. There only ever will be one Stripey. I'm pretty sure that you have access to an ability that lets you bring him back from the dead, don't you? Yes. I have access to an ability that lets me... Have an animal companion at any time. But if Stripey dies, he ceases to be Stripey. That's how it works. <laughs> oh, so he'll be like a different generic badger name. He'll be like a badger that's not actually who he was before. You can't come back from the dead and be the same as you were, Tokus. Well, we could go res him somewhere. Haven't you watched Full Metal Alchemist, Tokus, Sean? Yeah. Of course. Death takes a piece of you. 
Yeah. Every time. You know, we could also just flavor it so that instead of him actually dying, he's like comatose and you just revive him somehow using that ability. Just give him mouth to mouth. <laughs> or Tokus and Aslo could do some extensive research into bottled memories where we like bottle up Stripey's consciousness should he fall mm. in battle and then we have the new badger drink Stripey's essence yeah, like and then he remembers full, being a different right, person. Right, his consciousness. I mean badger. We can upload yeah. his consciousness to the cloud. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like stick a little chip in the back of the next badger. <laughs> Stripey 2.0. Like oh, hey guys, it's me. Oh, hey. I'm, I'm back. <laughs> Hi, Shaba. It's me, Stripey. <laughs> but, but what happened to the other Stripey, the, or the new animal? Like, does his, like, consciousness take over the new host? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, dude, if you've ever watched Black Mirror, you equally don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> I like Thane's answer, though. And maybe maybe you don't feel this way, Shaba, because you're, yeah, I get it, you have this animal bond with your friend, but you, like, never really use Stripey, like, as I would imagine a ranger uses their animal companion. That's because Stripey is more than a pet or a friend. He's my spirit animal. So you're like treating him like Pikachu and Pikachu was like useless until Ash let Pikachu actually fight. Well, maybe I just haven't had as much character development as Ash yet. <laughs> maybe I'm still working on it. And, and so like Tokus is like in like a full heated argument now with Shaba. <laughs> like you should make that badger fight. Put him to work. He needs to have his full you know, 15 or 18 or however many years it was without a single championship victory. And then <laughs> yeah. he'll have his character development. And then he can go into the fray. All right, Stripey, do you want to fight or don't you? I ask Stripey. And he rolls a d20 to determine what he wants to do. All right. He wants to fight. I knew it. I gently take him out of my pack and I set him down on the ground and I say, Stripey, be careful, young man. Be very careful. And I let him go and attack the closest mushroom. <laughs> and he does that. Ooh, and he misses. It's okay, he's not used to fighting, Shaba. Give, give him some time. I don't know if he misses. Mushrooms can't really do much. Oh, well, he got a six. That hits. Oh, dude! Wow. He tears it's that just a mushroom. Big bite of mushroom. A new mushroom. I need 2d4 because I don't have them. I mean, seriously, who has 2d4, like, lying around? Why would you want to roll d4? Why would you need more than 1d4? Uh, he, like, he scores 8 damage with his claw attack. That would probably be on the same one that... Yeah, that Tokus uh, Tokus attacked first, so... Takes a bite out of a flaming <laughs> mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> he bites off the base of the mushroom, and it collapses into a flaming pile. Wow. And it shrieks slowly, dies out. Oh, man. See, Stripey's actually useful. I hate to say it. <laughs> as much as I hate to admit it. This is all part of Tokus's plan to, like, get him into combat so that he does meet his demise. <laughs> but I've, like, painted it as if, like, I want him to, like, earn his weight. He hasn't earned his keep. He just eats all of our dog treats and just hangs That's out in your true. bag all day, Shava. I mean, yeah. I'm surprised it's taking you this long to notice that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... 
think we need to rework the contract for like Stripey's role in the party. <laughs> like Tokus takes out the sheet that like has everything to do with Stripey on it and starts drafting up some new ideas for what Stripey <laughs> can do the of around the house. Like we can have him do the dishes, <laughs> or like he could clean his room. Tokus, not now. We have to fight these mushrooms so they're oh, not oh, screaming oh, okay. in our ears. Okay. Yeah. How are we having this conversation right now over the shrieking? Good question. (laughs) There are six mushrooms remaining in this cluster along with the general moss and stuff, but you can't tell which mushrooms are actually making the noises. So you can pretty much attack them randomly at this point. We do. We start attacking them randomly. Yeah, like I said, I'm hacking and slashing. There's a couple of different colors. There's red ones and purple ones. Yeah, you have Tokus lightning luring the ones that are far away and fire bolting the other ones. I just gra- take out my sword and start hacking them because I want them to stop so badly. I don't even stop to shoot them with my bow. Yeah, why, why waste the arrows? All right, so Aslo is next here. I will make two different attacks. Will a nine cut it, literally? Yes. Okay. I'll deal 10 damage to the one and 9 damage to the other. So with your two sword slashes, you hack up a second mushroom. One of the other mushrooms right next to you begins to move towards you. What? Uh-oh. <laughs> what the heck? Little feeler tendril things come out of its base and it Ew. creeps towards Ew. you. And then attempts Ooh. to kind of lean over and smack you with the top of the mushroom. Cap of it. <laughs> Aslo gets the willies. Chris. I wasted my turn. I could have done something cool. Dang it. Next time. Remember, guys, check your spells before you take your turn instead of after. (laughs) That's my advice. I want to know what spell you could have done. And is it worth a spell slot at this point? Dude. Come on. Screaming mushrooms. Oh, silence. Like I said, wasted my turn. That would have been brilliant. Like, we wouldn't have alerted the dragons and everything else in this place. Like, the bears are coming. (laughs) Like, the dragon is on his way, or her way. As soon as I finished my turn, I decided to check my spell. So, there you go. I'll just hand you my action surge so you can do something else. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Tokus gives away his ability. He's like, wait, no, I can't do it anymore. Like, it gets absorbed into your skin. You're like, oh, I feel more powerful. So this mushroom leans down towards you and little tendrils burst out of it and smack you. And you take a grand total of 18 points of damage as three of them smack into you. Wait, is, am I close enough to him to do things? Yeah, you're all within like 30 feet of each other. Oh wait, am I am I playing my ability wrong? Remember my, my stance? It, I should have done it before you dealt damage. Oh, you're not close enough for that. No, you fired from a distance and he ran up. I'm not close enough for that? Oh, okay. Okay, we're good then. Aslo, you should have stayed close to me. Ah, uh, yeah. So as it hits you, you can feel your flesh start to rot away almost zombie-like as the points where it contacted oh. you. Oh, necrotic damage. Okay, wait, this is so cool, though. Like, let it happen, because, like, this encounter gets so much worse by the passing second. Uh. We need something to happen to Aslo, because, like, Tokus has got the whole, like, he's evil and has, like, necrosis of the scalp, and then Shaba is a were-rat, and now Aslo is going to have some sort of, like, mm. medical affliction. Yeah, I need to use my were-rat powers. Just let it happen. You'll get some cool powers at the end of it. Don't worry. One other mushroom also begins to move towards you, but it's still ten feet away. Shaba's turn. So I'm gonna try to shoot the one that's on Aslo. Uh, 13 to hit? That hits. Sweet. Oh yeah, and did I mention I mark it? Because I do. (laughs) 
I meant to say that. 15. And how far away from it am I right now? You're roughly 30 feet away. I will take a gigantic step back. One gigantic step. And I am done. Okay, so you strike the mushroom with the arrow, and it is still up. Ooh. Tokus. Okay, I'm going to go after the mushroom that Shaba shot. Is it near any other screaming mushrooms-ish? Like, green flame blade distance. Yeah. Green flame! It's a relatively small patch. Okay. They're pretty dense. All right. Guys, time for some crowd control, and Tokus pulls the trigger on the fire thing apparatus on the rapier. <laughs> We have a green flaming rapier thing. Here we go. Oh, that was not a great roll. Uh... Oh, wait. Yeah, this is still... Yeah, I still have to roll off my attack bonus. Uh, 11. So, yes, you hit. Sweet. I will roll for <laughs> the damage. Damage, damage. <laughs> damage, damage, damage. <laughs> uh, I deal seven with the rapier. Nice. And then I'd like to direct the flame. Oh, what's that? Brings down the purple fungus. Nice. Oh. And then I will direct my spell attack bonus, which is a three, at something else with my mind. <laughs> you strike it, and then your fire starter attached to your sword shoots fire out at the <laughs> adjacent enemy and slightly singes another mushroom. Sweet. So with a flourish, Tokus stabs the first mushroom and then with a flick of the wrist flicks out a little spurt of fire with the uh, the uh, fire torture. Yeah, yeah. And you smell the nice scent of roasted Excellent. mushrooms. Uh, I love roasted mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Stripey. Stripey will run up to the nearest mushroom and clod in the mushroom base. If mushrooms have bases. <laughs> I'll just clod in the stem or the stalk. And he got a 12 to hit. Hit. And he deals 10 damage. Go Stripey. So right. proud. He- <laughs> He's all grown up now. It's hard to shoot my bow right now because I have tears in my eyes. <laughs> so proud of my little Stripey boy. He tears into the mushroom and claws his way through it. The top half just falling to the ground. Nice. <laughs> all right. Go Stripes. Aslo, back to you. How many mushrooms remain? There are three and... Two of them are screaming and standing stationary, and then one of them looks like the kind that attacked you before, and it's about ten feet away. You said two of them are pretty well damaged? No, one of them is lightly damaged from the green flame blade. That's one of the screaming ones. I'll attack that one uh, with one first. Fourteen to hit, and uh, seven damage. It's not quite enough. You lop off a big section of the cap. When that attack hits, I would like to spend a bardic inspiration die to use defensive flourish. All right, so I add four damage to that attack, and I also get plus four AC until the start of my next turn. Hmm. It does both things? Spend, yeah, spend a bardic inspiration die and add the result to your damage, and then I choose one of the following. Hmm. So I chose defensive flourish. That's so cool. So you, like, do the attack, and then you're, like, ready. Attack, and then hold up swords to block. With that, that is enough to finish off the mushroom. So you okay. lop off a cap and then come back down, swinging on the other side, and just have two separate things fall off. <laughs> and then carve an A into its stalk. He's <laughs> <laughs> basically Zoro. And then with my bonus action attack, I got a natural 20. Boom! So we have a 4, a plus a 5, 
a plus a three. You have to move to reach another one, so is this going to be the screaming one or the moving one? Um, I will run over to the screaming one. Okay. So that's five plus four plus three. That's 12 damage. That is enough. I think they are all together. I think this is a family of mushrooms. <laughs> and we have disturbed them, and they're just screaming and trying to protect their home. <laughs> yeah. We're just slaughtering them. And with that, as it falls to the ground, the screams begin to die out, although you can still hear it echoing for several seconds throughout the cavern. Oh, boy. <laughs> and Aslo goes into power mode. <sighs> And his eyes like roll back into his head. <laughs> oh my gosh. Never seen you like this before, Aslo. <laughs> or should I say. He's on fire! Azoro. Mm-hmm. Uh, the remaining mushroom moves towards Stripey, who is the only thing close enough. And yes, that is a hit. Stripey, no! Stripey! So Stripey manages to evade the worst of it, but takes two points of damage as one of these rotting tendrils lashes out at it. Ow. Shop his turn. I'm going to mark the one that Aslo's fighting. Or I'm going to mark the one that's on There's only one left. Yeah, that Wait, one. Wait, do you I'm gonna mark need it. To, to... No, I do not, Tokus. What? What were you going to say? Well, no, I was just say, should we, should we mark? It's just the last mushroom. It doesn't do any... I, I just changed my mark no using the same to. spell. It's like Hex. I move the mark from one target to another when the first one dies. Oh, you'd already marked earlier in this battle? Yeah. Oh, that's neat. That's cool. It is. So 24 to hit, dealing 13 damage. That's a hard hit. You blast off a good chunk of it, but it's still up. Tokus? I don't think I need to get close, and I queue up a fire vial. Take it out. And I'm going to do that. Pretty sure you hit. Yeah, that's that's a 18. That's going to be four points of damage. Four points of damage. Four whole points. Four whole <laughs> integer numbers of points. Okay, you light another small fire, but it's not enough to bring it down. Ah, oh, dang. Stripey. <laughs> All right, come on, Stripes can do this. Oh, natural 20. Stripey tears it up. That's going to do it, unless you roll. Or, no, it's impossible because you've His got... His minimum damage is six. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it has four hit points left. So, Stripey tears into it and takes his revenge on the mushroom that has wounded him. <laughs> yeah. And the whole cave falls eerily silent. Mm. Oh. 